Well, good morning. We're having an extended worship time this morning as we concentrate on what I would call the heart of the gospel, the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ as we partake communion together. Dr. Tim Muehlhoff will be here the next three weeks as he starts into the, the book of James. But for a few minutes this morning, I wanted us to wade into some things we may be feeling and, and seeing and hearing as we watch the news. Just this past week, the riots in North Carolina, the mall massacre in Washington, the headline read, the stabbings in a mall in Minnesota, and yesterday, even in our own newspaper, three in a family were found dead in their home in Fullerton on Gilbert. And I found out this morning that two of the younger children that were not harmed are part of our after-school program and are taught by teachers of our church and have reached out and have connected with this family. And we're filled with all kinds of reactions when we see all this around the world. We see rage, we see anger, we see acting out, and we react differently. We get angry, we talk about it, we post about it, some of us do quite a bit. Um, or, or we ignore it, we just say, I just want to watch football. And then you watch football and it's there in football. I have memories of, of being in a, in a, a race riot. Um, wrong place, wrong time. I was 16, got taunted, yelled at, burned with cigarettes. And, and, and we all have reactions to what we're seeing. And we look at this stuff and we go, where is justice? People want justice. We want justice. But what does that look like? I realized a few months ago that justice is kind of, we all want a different type of justice maybe. There's an annual justice conference put on by World Relief. So we sent a delegation from our church there. And when they came back, we asked, what did you learn? What moves you? What are you moved? What justice issue are you moved by? We sent seven people and they came back with seven different justice issues. One person said, it's the prisoners. We are not, the prisons are, are, there's an equity of who goes to prison, how long to prison. That's the biggest injustice that we have. Another one said, look, it's the orphans, the foster kids in our community. They're the most vulnerable. That's the justice issue. Someone else said, no, it's the plight of the unborn. They're even more vulnerable. That's the biggest justice issue. One came to me and said, Look, the biggest justice issue I see in our church is women are not preaching in leadership. Got quiet there, didn't it? Well, and that was his justice issue. Some say GMO, genetically modified organisms. We've got to get them out of our food. Everyone had a different justice issue. Some, we got mail recently, quite a few letters on staff, of someone who's saying cell phone usage by our youth is causing cancer and tumors, and that's the biggest justice issue of our church. Some say it's, it's the immigration reform, it's racism. What do we do with all these justice or injustice issues? How do we respond? Because some of them touch you, and some of them you may think is a joke, but they all move some of us. I believe that the role of the church is to teach biblical truth so that it informs and equips each one of us to be passionate, 
to be an advocate, to step out boldly and courageously in our society, in our neighborhoods, in our culture, and say, wait, stop. It's not the role of the church to speak to all those issues or to be the political advocate, but to equip us, to inform us, to empower us, to be involved, to be good citizens, to be a voice, to be the hug, to be the smile, to be the advocate for the issues that we face. In the few minutes we have, we're gonna look at four biblical principles that it could inform us on how we're to react to these justice issues. We're gonna go quickly through them. We're gonna start in Romans chapter six. Romans six, verse 11. Romans is an epistle written by the apostle Paul to the church in Rome. That's why it's called Romans. It's one of the largest epistles full of teaching about Christianity and theology and about God and also about how we are to live. And in these passages we're going to look at, it's Paul's telling us how we should live in response to injustice. And in Rome, persecution is coming. Nero is coming in a few years after this is written. Paul will be imprisoned in Rome. Let's look at Romans 6, verse 11 to 14. Paul says, even so consider yourselves to be dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lusts. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace." The first principle is that we are responsible to live holy lives. In a world full of injustice, Paul says our responsibility is firstly to live a holy life. You see, it's easy to look at someone else's issues. Oh, you've got bad justice issues. Mine aren't that bad. It's harder to see our own. Jesus talks about it in Matthew 7 when he did that story about how do you take the splinter about in someone else's eye when you've got a log in your own eye. The absurdity of why are you trying to help someone when you have such huge faults as well. We, we kind of ah, illustrated that this week. Uh, Suzanne, my wife, woke up with just a real something in her eye. And she's just saying, this hurts, this hurts so bad, there's something in my eye. And I, of course, the non-medical person say, I'll take a look and take it out. So I'm looking and I don't see anything. Of course, I can hardly see anyway. But I don't see anything. And she said, no, this really, really hurts. And if you can take a RN, an ER nurse to the doctor, it must be really bad. She was eager to go to the doctor. Went to an ophthalmologist. He looked and he says, oh, I see what it is. You had a fan blowing on your face last night. Your lower eyelid got dry. It stuck to your cornea. And when you opened your eye, it pulled some layers off the cornea. Was that TMI? too much information and so you put a little something in and she can see me today I think over there but right I'm I'm telling her look it really doesn't hurt (laughs) yeah it hurt but we can do that in our relationship when she comes to me and says Dan look we've got an issue we need to work out and she tells me the issue and I think that's your issue (laughs) that's exactly the response I don't get yeah yeah Yes, it was a long day yesterday. So, in reality, we're to live holy lives. 
We're called to live holy. The passage says we're in a battle. We're in a fight. Do not let sin reign in your mortal body. There's two things we're supposed to do in this battle. Don't let sin reign in our mortal body. When we're tempted, say no. And then we're also, verse 13, present ourselves to God. Say yes. So every day, throughout the day, when we're tempted, when things come our way, we're to say no to sin, yes to presenting ourselves to God. Well, it's not easy. No, it's a battle. Battles are hard. But the first step of the battle is we are to live holy. We are to be committed to live holy. It's a battle, but we can. The next one is Romans 12. Turn a few pages over, Romans 12, verse 18. I love this admonition, another guiding principle on how do we live life with injustice. Verse 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. I love this admission. As far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. We are to seek peace. We are to actively seek peace. I remember Wally Norling, he was kind of the superintendent of of the area for the free church, and he would talk to us younger pastors, and he would always say, whenever there's a conflict, as a pastor, run towards it. And we'd go, really? (laughs) Yeah, as you run towards it, you diffuse it, you, you, you get it out. And I can't say I've always done that, but this past year, I realized during um, the past year that, boy, there's folks in the church here that I don't talk to or don't talk to me, or we haven't talked in a while. And I made a list, and I, I started going through the list. And one person was a great friend that we just hadn't spoken, and I didn't know why, and we, we finally sat down. And I, I said, I'm sure I've done something to offend you what have I done? And immediately said, you said this to me on the plaza in such and such year. And I don't remember it, but it was something not good. And I'm sure I probably said it. And I could look and say, look, I am so sorry. That was completely inappropriate. To apologize and restore the relationship. We seek peace with all people. That's what we're asked to do. Seek peace where we can. Now, the whole list hasn't gone that easily, but I'm working on it. I'm working on it. The third one, Romans 13, verse 1, another principle. Let every person be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those by which exist are established by God. Now, this doesn't get easier, does it? Live holy, seek peace, now we're to obey those in authority. Yeah, that's what Paul says. It can be difficult. It doesn't get easy. I visited with Mike a little bit this week, and I was reminded of the quote that he used a few months ago. It said, God is in control of those who are in control. I love that. There's a proverb in Psalm 21. It says, for the heart of the king is in the hands of God, and like rivers of water, he turns them as he wills. We are to obey those in authority because God is in control of those who are in control. That's a harder one. The last one is in 1 Timothy 2, and it goes along with that one. 1 Timothy 2, chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Paul says this to Timothy. First of all, brethren, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men, 
for kings and those who are in authority in order that we may live a tranquil and quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and dignity. We are charged to pray for peace. We are to live holy. We are to seek peace. We are to obey those in authority and we are to pray for those in authority and pray for peace. It's incumbent on us to pray for peace before we post, (laughs) before we talk about how things are bad, to pray, God, bring peace. God, give wisdom to our leaders. God, smack them upside the head with wisdom. Do a miracle, God. (laughs) Ah, pray for those in leadership. Knowing that final peace is coming. Isaiah 9, 6 says, the Prince of Peace is going to be coming. Jesus Christ is going to be returning. He makes it possible. So in light of injustice, we're not to fear. We're not to panic. We're not to be scared. We are to live boldly. Live courageously. Live in peace. Lean on the Prince of Peace. And pray for those in authority. Jesus also said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. So we're going to spend some time in prayer before we go into communion and we have four or five songs that we'll be able to worship with after this. But as we go into prayer, as Tim encouraged us, I'd like us to stand, spend a moment in silence and obey the scriptures and pray for those in authority. You know the crisis is your facing. Let's quietly stand, reflect on who we're praying to as we go into prayer. Father, we're mindful that you are the God of all creation, the living one, the one who sits on the throne and who judges and who watches, the God who will eventually bring peace to the earth, but yet you bring peace to our lives now. The kingdom of God reigns within us. The Prince of Peace is within us. So Father, we bring to you our nation and ask that you would be with the leaders, strive with them, speak through them, use them to bring peace and tranquility in our world, in our nation. For those in our community, we pray for the leaders, Father, that they may be wise in what they do. For all of us who are leaders in our communities, in schools, in hospitals, in in city offices, in our neighborhoods, Father, make us instruments of peace for your glory. We thank you that we can lean on you And you are there, never leaving or forsaking. We thank you in Christ's name and all God's people said, amen. You may be seated.